welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and our guest today is Ruth Freeman. She's a psychotherapist in private practice in Storrs, Connecticut, and the founder of Peace at Home Parenting Solutions. She's taught parenting education to thousands over the past 30 years, and she's the co-founder of the Connecticut Parenting Education Network. Welcome. So um, thank you, Tom. And uh, Ruth, welcome to the show. Ruth Freeman um, is somebody I just recently met, but I feel like is a friend of mine. She and I think very much the same way. But she is a licensed social worker, is the founder of Peace at Home Parenting. She's been enthusiastic in the parenting world for over 30 years. She teaches classes. She creates curriculum. And she has a huge passion for trying to make home a better place. So briefly, we mentioned on the first podcast that there's a crisis in parenting where we have, was it 66% of parents, Ruth, are burned out right now? 66% of working parents are experiencing what they call parental burnout. And so that's a big tragedy to actually have these beautiful kids and not be able to enjoy them. I just recently had a, a working parent say to me, I feel like I feel like taking care of my kids is my second job. Really? And, yeah. And she said, I feel sad about it because, I, you know, it's not I'm not doing it with that exuberance and that positive approach. I just have because partly because, you know, if you don't have downtime in the day, you actually experience more anxiety. Right. And many, many parents don't have any space they're just going from task to task to task and that alone never mind the pandemic and all the political realities that alone makes people anxious or makes them uncomfortable and, and having those those fight flight or freeze reactions and we all know when you're burned out whether you're a doctor or teacher or parent you just don't perform nearly as well and of course when you're in a bad mood your kids in a bad mood you're in a bad mood so you get this really pretty brutal downward cycle so we spent a bit of time talking about the um, problem. Um, you know, my we talked about the, both of us think the same way that really um, my wish is for parents to quit thinking they need to raise their kids and learn more to be with the kids and just treat them like human beings and interact with them in a very meaningful, positive way. But certainly when you're angry and frustrated, you are not parenting well. So what I'm really curious and is you're, with your piece at home parenting, you have a very specific mission with lots of different th- services to offer. So what's sort of the top priorities in your mind of, of things to teach parents to help calm themselves down? We'll talk about the short term first and maybe in the longer term. But what are some of the principles and specific tools that you think are helpful in, in making in creating peace at home? Well, you know, it's interesting. You said I just tell parents I just want them to be with their kids and and in some ways that is the, you know, the parents in the United States often judge their own parenting by how well their kids follow directions and do what parents want. It might be our, our, our English founding heritage. I don't know where it comes from culturally, but parents, if I teach a class on positive discipline, you're gonna get a lot of parents. If I teach a class on um, uh, teach your child emotional intelligence, you'll get fewer parents. If I teach a class on feel close to your kids and put your kids at ease, I might not get any parents. <laughs> so, no, and, I'm sorry, and, but, but that's a big, that's a big point. That's a huge point. Mean, yeah. What, why? Yeah. Why, why? I mean, that's, I mean, it's huge. I mean, you and I both agree that meaningful interactions help parents thrive, help the kids thrive. 
But when you put up classes that sort of imply that's the goal, you're not getting participation. Well, I I don't call classes, you know, be with your kids and relax. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that, for example, since the industrial complex, the industrial revolution in the United States, um, workers had to learn to follow directions in order to succeed and earn a living. And right. that was very much at the base of our educational system. It was the base of what parents follow directions, do what you're told. And it was really survival and it was real. However, we are still measuring our parenting effectiveness by how well our kids follow directions. And honestly, I tell parents all the time, compliance is not the most important thing that you want to reach with your kids. You want kids who are courageous. You want kids who have great relationships in the family and outside the family. You want kids who are confident and at ease in the world. That's what's going to help kids succeed now. Kids who can be part of teams and listen to each other and think outside the box. That doesn't happen with punishment, threats, yelling, and anger. But when our kids don't follow directions, our brains perceive it as dangerous from many, many, many generations ago for a lot of reasons in different cultures and all that. So helping parents recognize that it's not about compliance, it's about relationship is often underneath a lot of what we're doing. Well, I mean, the essence of all relationships is awareness. Anytime you're anxious or frustrated or angry, something in the present was perceived in the past as dangerous. And so instantly, as soon as you're anxious or frustrated, you're actually not in the present anymore. You're in the past. You have simply lost awareness, especially when you're anger, angry. So you have anger and awareness are mutually exclusive terms. Awareness is the essence of all relationships at every level, any situation, work, home, or whatever. So you've lost awareness. So now you're the parent, you're stressed out, you're anxious, anxious and frustrated. So already when you walk in the door of your house, you're stressed out, you're overloaded. You don't, you don't have awareness of what's going on in the house. You actually lost awareness before you've walked through the door. Then you wonder why your kids are acting out. And then you want to blame, and then you want to blame your kids for all their issues. So you go into behavioral mode which the root cause is actually the mirror neurons triggering anxiety and anger. So you so by addressing behaviors, you're way, way on the surface, you're not, not even close to the root cause. So when you teach, I mean, in other words, what is the, some of the concepts that you want to bring to the world of parenting that will make a difference both on a small scale and a large scale? There's a, I mean, there's a couple of important things that were inside of what you were saying. Um, and you know, I love the work of Alan Kasdan at Yale University. And what he says is that whatever we bring attention to in kids, we're going to get more of. And most parents, if you did a time study of their interactions with their kids in the course of a day, you're going to see that they're correcting and directing and criticizing. And that's how they're relating to their kids. Their kids come down to breakfast, their socks don't match, and they're going to comment on the socks not matching. They're not going to comment on, I'm so glad we're having breakfast together. And, and we have that negative bias in our brains. Our brains naturally see negative things easier and remember them easier. So we're always trying to help parents force their brain by practice, and they have to be conscious to do this, to see what's right in this moment and to talk about that. Because if you be excited about your kid coming down to breakfast, they're going to keep coming down to breakfast on time. 
But if you talk about their socks not matching, they're not going to come down to breakfast after a while. Now you got two behavior problems. Right. So, you know, it's it's helping parents switch that negative orientation of the brain and to bring attention to what they do want in their kids. That's one behavior management procedure. Well, I mean, none of us like being criticized. Say that again. None of us like being criticized. Right. Right. And especially and our kids who are pretty helpless because we're they're dependent on us for their sustenance. So that's the thing that's so fascinating to me is that we don't like to be criticized, but all of us are pretty free with our criticism. Well, not parents who come to Peace at Home Parenting, David. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, there, there's, there's some research that um, there's a strong association between maternal criticism and child depression. Okay. And, so, so one of the most important things we talk to parents about is how they shape behavior. Parents want their kids to cooperate. That's what's motivating them. And the way you shape that is by paying attention to when they cooperate and not paying attention to when they don't, taking your attention away from that. Parents think threatening, criticizing, correcting, directing, all that stuff. They think it's helpful, but they've all done their own research. They've done these procedures over and over and over and gotten the same crummy outcomes. They've got the data. What happens at Peace at Home Parenting is we help them recognize it and say, watch, look, nagging in the morning didn't work well. Threatening, they, they, they did what you want in the moment. You can scare a kid into compliance in the moment, but you're not going to get long-term positive behavior change. That's based on paying attention when they are giving you the positive behavior and building the closeness between you and the child, building the connection between you and the child. So what do you think about the advice I used to give parents that when you walk out of the door of my office, I want you to go home and give no criticism and only no advice and only listen for a month and then hopefully indefinitely. So most people just really react to that, but they do it. And what happens? What happens when they come back? They're excited because it's way, if you think about it, it's way more interesting to actually listen, even though I wouldn't know what that's like. It's actually more, <laughs> it's actually way more interesting to listen and be aware than it is to just project your view of the world onto, onto everybody else. So then you get to actually know who your kids are. You get to understand who they are and then you start responding to them differently. So what are your thoughts about that one piece of advice of no advice, no criticism ever? It's, it's symptomatic that every time I hear you say this, I just, I get so excited. I'm like, that's right, that's right. And I always forget to put it into classes because it's so hard to remember. Right. And when you say no criticism, no, what, what do you say? No criticism, no advice. No, no don't criticism. ask for advice. Right, no criticism, no unsolicited advice. And, and, I, and every time I hear you say, oh, I got to put that into that class. I got to put that, in, and I always forget because it's so built into us. But I want to say that, um, you know, because there's a mental health emergency going on in our country with children, parents really need, parents are worried about their kids. They're worried about their mental health. And that advice alone is incredibly powerful in helping kids to find their way and the you know the piece about you, that you want to encourage parents to listen it's not just listening it's observing it's seeing right. the child and when and you know the, the the healing the healing aspect of the parent child relationship is the attachment and attachment is practically speaking seeing seeing your kid 
getting them, knowing what they love, knowing what they hate, knowing when they look sad, seeing your kid is part of attachment, not telling them what to do or what to like, and seen safe that the child feels like you're not going to hurt them emotionally or physically, that your interactions with them feel safe to the child, soothed that the relationship, your tone of voice, your touch, your facial expression is soothing to the child and secure. I can go out in the world and you have my back. Seen, safe, soothed, and secure. Parents can only do that from their thinking brain. They can't do that from fight, flight, or freeze. Right, right. And they can't do it if they didn't receive it. So right. they have to learn how to do it. And that's what peace at home parenting is all about. It's breaking down seen, safe, soothed, and secure into parent action steps. Right. And I just want to say one more thing, David. I know I'm a zealot, just like you. Um, when parents are concerned about their kids' mental health, the most important thing to do is what you said. It's to observe and listen because children's behavior tells a story. Right. Kids are chronically misbehaving, chronically backtalk. You know, as one therapist said to me, backtalk is a form of communication. Listen, they're telling you a story through their behavior and they're not acting out, they're reaching out. They're not giving you a hard time. They're having a hard time. Our job is to listen in a way that we get what the unseen problem is for that child. Well, you know, I'm a huge fan of Dr. Thomas Gordon, who wrote a book in the 70s called Parent Effectiveness Training, which obviously you guys are on the same pathway. But one of his points was children don't wake up every morning thinking of ways they're going to piss off their parents. That's not their goal. They don't want to do that. But, but again, they have a little control sometimes of, of what they're doing. Um, so I do want to jump into some of the practical things that you are teaching to parents that actually help them start to create a change in the whole family atmosphere. So, I mean, one practical action step is pick out one or two behaviors that you want to address. Let's say you have a kid who doesn't follow directions. You have a kid who hits his siblings. Okay. So the way to change that is to ignore the negative behavior to the best of your ability. So let's say the other kids are in the other room and they're calling each other poopy heads. Just don't even walk in because whatever you bring attention to, you're going to get more of. Right. So if you go in there and say, can you guys just cut it out? That's a lollipop. You just rewarded arguing. Parents right. Showing up for negative behavior is a reward, even if you're nagging, even if you're punishing. So you just stay out of it. If they're, if they're throwing things at each other and it's dangerous, you walk in like a robot. You're very flat. Looks like you're having trouble being safe. Please be in two different places for two minutes. The consequence isn't going to fix it. Nothing's going to fix it, but you're just going to solve the problem so no one is get, getting cut and bleeding. You take two minutes apart, and I'm sure you'll be able to get along. So when I give them that mild consequence, I'm cueing them for success. After you guys right. are apart for two minutes, I'm sure you'll get along. Instead of, why are you guys always fighting? You're driving me crazy. You should love each other. Your brother, blah, blah, blah. what just happened? I gave them an ice cream cone for fighting. So, right. but if they're in the other room and they're watching a TV show together, you're going to show up enthusiastically. You're going to ruffle their hair. And I say, I love you guys. You're watching TV and you're so quiet together. This is fabulous. You just did what's called effective praise. You are going to get more of that because you showed up, you were enthusiastic, you described the behavior specifically. And, and so we just ask parents, pick out one or two misbehaviors. And every time you get the opposite, 
show up enthusiastically, talk about it and do a gesture. That is the most evidence-based approach to changing behavior. And it's based on your relationship. You're showing up for what you want instead of what you don't want. So I just would suggest a change in verbiage where you're actually calming down the nervous system, which changes the behavior. In other words, if you really work just on the behaviors, you still have this agitated nervous system that keeps acting out in other different ways. And I think, I think that's one of the biggest problems we get into with mental health in general. We keep focusing on behaviors instead of actually calming down the nervous system. So that's why I say the word play, co-regulation, actually. Um, um, a good, but that's a good, so, so your advice is basically, um, if the behavior is bad, if it's not dangerous, just leave it alone, just let it go. Yep. And you're saying that if it's dangerous, be very methodical and empirical about it, but don't get too and excited. Boring. Be boring, no affect, no excitement. Right. And, and so, you know, you really love play because it calms the brain, it opens the brain up to learning, it helps with attachment. So one of the things that happens when parents go in there for the positive behavior, the opposite of the misbehavior, they're going to be very exuberant, very silly, very positive. They're going to give them a hug. They're going to do a dance. And all of that marks the positive behavior. And you're going to get more positive behavior because, again, children are built to seek attention from their parents. And, and most parents are giving attention for negative behavior 70, 80, 90% of the day. Wow. Kids just give them more. I had one dad say to me, Oh, uh, the attention I give my kid is 99% negative behavior. And he was so proud of it. <laughs> so that kid's going to give him lots of negative behavior because he needs contact with his dad to survive. His brain won't grow without that connection. His body and brain needs that connection. So right. if it's misbehavior, I'll give it to you. Whatever's going to have you wake up and show up. Most parents are so expressive around misbehavior. They're so articulate. They're so reliable. If I hit my brother, I get 100% attention. If we're in the other room sharing the markers, mom's making dinner, you know? It's, it's parents show up for misbehavior much more consistently. It's how most of us grew up and it reinforces it. No, I like that a lot. Um, what's another specific approach that you advocate in your work? <sighs> um, one of the most important tools we give parents is reflective listening is what that's reflective listening or active okay. listening okay it's very simply um when children present something to you it's reflecting the emotion that you hear sounds like you're kind of excited about that seems like you're worried about that math test you seem really mad at your friend right now that builds emotional intelligence that builds the connection with the child it's soothing to the child there's a million things that that reflective listening does we also ask parents to look at problems. So the kid comes home and says, I didn't get to sit next to my best friend on the, on the bus. Um, he sat next to another kid. So we, we really want parents to figure out, is that my child's problem or is that my problem? Because you do different things depending on who owns the problem. Right. So when the child comes home and says, I didn't get to sit next to my best friend on the bus, is well, the three questions we ask is, is my child too young to handle this problem? Am, am I being disrespected? And is there gonna be harm to anybody or anything? So if this kid doesn't get to sit on the bus with his best friend, he's not too young to handle that disappointment, you're not being disrespected, and there's not gonna be any harm to anybody. So the problem belongs to the child. Got it. And yeah, when the problem belongs to the child, 
you can either just use reflective listening, sounds like you're really upset, or you can coach problem solving. What do you think you can do? What are some ideas? And we have a whole process for problem solving. Um, when the problem belongs to the parent, then you have to take some action. If somebody's going to get hurt or the kid's too young to handle it, you take some action. But when you raise a problem solver, when you coach kids to solve their own problems, um, kids are much safer in adolescence because if they're depending on you to solve all their problems, when they become teenagers, they depend on their friends and that's a crapshoot. You don't know what's right. going to go down. Right. So, so teenagers who are problem solvers are safer they're more competent and they're all around better off. So you want to start that at two years old. Got it. Okay. Um, so the last couple of minutes here, what do you work with schools, organizations, individual families, who, how do we access your resources and who, what type of people do you work with? Do you mostly education or, or all of the above? Um, uh, he's at home parenting um is a team of over 20 advanced degree professionals we're all passionate about translating science into practical tools for parents okay so we're always challenging ourselves exactly what you're doing you're trying to challenge yourself to take science and give it to people to use in practical ways and that's what right. we're doing with parents and parents are incredibly busy right now so we try to do it effectively um and they can reach us just by emailing us at solutions at peaceathomeparenting.com. They can go to our website, peaceathomeparenting.com. Um, and they can reach me, Ruth, at peaceathomeparenting.com. And, and uh, we often work with uh, companies and schools who bring the program to their parents. So human, human resource departments bring us to MIT and CVS Health and lots of organizations where their employees get to have access to us for free. So, I mean, you have a very ambitious project trying to bring peace at home. Of course, people, um, I mean, what what about, I mean, obviously a lot of groups are trying to do the same thing you're doing. Um, wait, 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 wait. Who's trying to do the same thing we're doing? I don't know. I mean, I mean, lots of people have been concerned about parenting for a long time. It's been talked about in my lifetime forever about trying to improve the home situation. And so I'm curious as far as your overall arching philosophy behind your mission, your passion, the problem, I have the same problem with medicine, we're trying to change medicine, medicine unfortunately is already getting worse. And I know we have lots of efforts to improve parenting, but again, just the overwhelming problems we're dealing with in modern times, because everything's worse. So obviously a lot of effect in your own sphere of influence, but as far as your overall mission, what, I mean, both of us want to save the world, I know that. But what, what do you see your group actually doing on a practical doable level um well you know that name peace at home parenting is our product right so i got that name from many parents i would ask parents on feedback surveys you know decades ago um you know what was the most important outcome for you and and many people would say we have more peace at home and that always was like whoa so um I, you know, where you know, and I know, but parents don't always know in the moment that, you know, getting kids to look the way we want them to look and be the way we want them to be really isn't what is going to bring peace on earth. Right. Really those calm centers at home. It's, it's feeling like I can be me at home. I can be safe at home and it's simplifying parenting. And 
So, you know, what's unique about us is that we're digital and parents get to talk to the professionals directly. They're not, you know, they're not mid-level coaches. They, these are advanced degree professionals. We get the solutions quickly. And we, there, you know, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of parenting problems, but there are a few solutions. <laughs> and that's why we love working with you because your focus on calming the brain and body your focus on getting to internal peace is exactly right. what kids need from their parents. It's all kids need from their parents, their presence and their peaceful mind. And because parents love their kids and whenever they yell at them or scream at them or threaten them afterwards, almost, almost all parents don't feel good about that, but they don't have the alternative tools and they don't have the knowledge of child development to understand how simple their job can be. Their job is not as complex as parents think. So our job is to help them simplify it and spend more time enjoying their kids and really creating peace at home. Sharuth, thank you very, very much. Um, so your, her, your resources can be accessed at peaceathomeparenting.com, correct? And they can email <clears throat> us at solutions at peaceathomeparenting.com. And it sounds like you have a quite a robust team that can respond pretty quickly. So. I'm very interested about your project. You know, I've been thinking about, I've been on this journey for about 15 years myself. I've not had the bandwidth to put it into place. So I'm super excited to add the neuroscience part of this to what you're doing. Um, you have way more experience actually in the families and the school systems than I do. So um, I'm excited about potentially what we can pull off together here. So, so thank you very, very much. Me too. Thank you very much, David. I'd like to thank our guest, Ruth Freeman, for being on the show today and for discussing the principles and techniques of her peaceful parenting approach to raising kids. I'm your host, Tom Masters, reminding you to be back next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And in the meantime, be sure to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com. Thanks for listening today, and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.